Hello everybody, hey, how we doing today? I am so glad to be back. This is a very special episode, my friends, very, very special episode. As you saw by the title, it is Listen To, Colin. That's what I'm going to be titling my series, where I interview and have conversations with some friends, with some friends of mine with awesome with awesome stories, with awesome advice, with awesome wisdom, with lots of learning opportunities. So if it's your first time to the podcast, I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope I can learn your name one day. If I don't know your name, you should text me, call me, email me. I'm going to start putting that in the description because I want to talk to you. I want to know who you are. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. You're so old or young, depending on which one you want. And if you're actually old, you look so young. And if you're young, you look so mature and old and grown up. But uh, if it's not your birthday, happy today. It's such a great day for a great day. Today, I want to bring to you the first conversation I had with a special guest on this podcast. Guys, uh, our special guest today brought down the house, dude. Uh, so good. One of the best conversations ever. And throughout the entire conversation, I just wanted to be like, oh, so, so good. So good. Uh, but then I didn't want to talk the entire time. Right. So this person that I'm introducing right now is my friend. She is my former English teacher and speech teacher in high school. And she's also one of the greatest humans ever in the history of ever. And if you don't know her, I am so sorry. After hearing this conversation, you will be so incredibly jealous that she was not your high school English teacher. But that's okay, because you'll still be able to meet her through this conversation that we had. Her name is Shannon Moore. Now, it feels weird for me to say Shannon because she was my English teacher. And I never called her Shannon because I was respectful. So you can call her Shannon Moore. You can call her Mrs. Moore. Or you can call her S'more. All right, so please listen to my friend S'more and I have as we have this conversation. S'more started listening, and this is what she's hearing. Should we act like I'm calling you and then you're like, hello? 100%. That's absolutely how it should go. Ding-a-ling-a-ling, 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 ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Hello. Hey. Hey, Peyton. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing doing all right. Doing all right. Hanging in there. Yeah. Long time to talk. Yeah. It's been a while. A while that, you know, we've engaged um, but yeah. it's good to hear from you. Good to chat with you and looking forward to it. Cool. I wanted to interview you among other people because of, I feel like you have a very unique perspective with being a teacher during quarantine. And one of the things that stuck me for sure with her as my teacher, Mrs. Moore, S'more, as they say, <laughs> uh, was just how intentional she was with all of her students and it almost wasn't a stereotypical teacher student bond it was more of a uh 
you knew that she knew you on on a deeper level than just what your essays were or what your grades were, but she actually knew you and your story. And so one of the things I want her to talk about on this podcast is kind of, first of all, why she is so intentional with her kids and also how has that changed since uh, the quarantine started. But we can start with uh, what kind of, what kind of inspires you to be so intentional with your students? Well, I appreciate that introduction. It's very heartwarming and, uh, and I feel blessed to have known all of you guys. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think my, me being intentional stems from the idea that, you know, when I was in high school, I don't think any of my high school teachers like knew anything besides the fact that my name was Shannon. And oftentimes I ditched school, um, but I was able to get along, you know what I mean? Like, and so there was never a bond made. Um, And I, you know, I I tell my students all the time, like I was not a good high school student. You know, I I passed, I got fine grades, but like I rarely went to school because I felt now looking back as an adult and really analyzing it, like I just felt like I didn't, nobody would care um, if I wasn't there. And it's not like I, was sad. I was a very happy high school student for the most part. But like, when I say nobody would care, it was like, I can do my own thing. Usually it was going to work (laughs) and making money, but I could do my own Mm -hmm. thing and, and nobody would, it wouldn't be a big deal. And so after quite a journey figuring out, you know, I wanted to become an educator. Um, I decided, you know, I wasn't going to be a teacher who just let a kid come into my class at one moment, like one point in the year and just never, ever, you know, I didn't want them to feel that they didn't matter. Um, and so that was kind of the yeah. original intention. Um, and then as I started teaching, um, you know, I just learned really quickly that, you know, humans are created to be relational um, and engage And I was committed to that. And I decided to, you know, build my teaching philosophy around that and around relationships. Um, And I found that if I got to know kids and I was vulnerable enough to let them get to know me, like they would move mountains for me if I asked them to. Um, Yeah. You know, and it sounds manipulative in a sense, but genuinely, like, you know, for those that know me, you know, like I, I don't I don't do it to be manipulative. I do it because everybody deserves a chance to feel valued and loved. You know, I don't want children of my own. My husband and I are satisfied with just our cats, but I do love, (laughs) I do love, you know, pouring into the lives of students. Um, And I worked uh, as like, as an intern in a youth program at a church right before becoming a teacher um, and just found like the impact that I could have. um, And that all had to start with building the relationships and being intentional about, showing kids that they're not just another name on my roster or a button a chair, but rather they're people with life stories and experiences and perspectives um, worth knowing. So that's kind of my approach to it all. Yeah, that's so good. And, and one of the things that stuck out to me that you just said right now was when you feel that you're being vulnerable to them they will move mountains for you and they'll be vulnerable themselves. And that when you said that, I immediately think of so many stories from when I was in your class, how true that is. And I just remember the energy in the room. It was like, I'm going to express myself the way I am. Mm -hmm. And 
for example, I remember when in the speech class, I'm my whole life I've always like gotten in trouble in all my classes for like laughing way too much. <laughs> and so I would or causing other people to be off task. And so one of the things I always tried to do once I got to high school or or uh, like the higher grades, I would try to like stay focused and then but it wasn't but it was shifting who I was as a person so I I wasn't being my true self and then when we got to when I got to your class it was freeing that I was able to be myself to the point where I could entertain others entertain myself but also do it within the context of the subject and still learning it wasn't like I was off task necessarily but you being vulnerable and allowing us I think that's one of the most important things is allowing the students to be vulnerable. I was able to um, express, I guess, who I actually was. And so, and I think that's even more important in the speech classes that you provided, because I remember going up for a 30 second impromptu speech mm-hmm. and I laughed the, the entire 30 seconds and I just couldn't help myself, but I ended up like redoing it. But <laughs> the fact that I was emotionally able to just do that as opposed to just worrying about what grade am I going to get, but I was able to, you know, express who I was. That really stuck out to me as a key moment of high school. That's really great. I think that, um, I think so many things about high school genuinely, and even into college and early twenties, like so much of society tells you, you have to be a certain way. Um, And if you're not that Mm -hmm. way, then it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. Something's off. Um, But I always strive to make, the classroom as comfortable as possible and the fact that you realize that your senior year were able to like feel feel like you knew this isn't who I am and this is who I could be who I need to be and like we're able to do that I think that 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 speaks leaps and bounds to the fact that like if we as people um, and I'm not saying that I am like you know a hero or anything but like if we as people um, you know learn to make interactions and experiences comfortable uh regardless of who's in front of us or what's going on around us then um it's likely that we will help kind of build some of those identities you know pull some of those um walls that have been built up over 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 years you know pull those down and allow kids to thrive um even if it's for like just those little 30 second windows you know what i mean and that's and that's and that's important yeah, that's good. Another thing that you had mentioned in the in the previous statement was when how important it is for you to learn your kid, your students' stories. And I also feel so strongly that the more stories we hear, the more stories we're exposed to mm-hmm. of of different different people, different stories, not just everyone from the same neighborhood or everyone from the same economic background, the same state, the same whatever gender. Um, the more stories here the more empathy we're able to feel for people and I think I've been so blessed in my life to be able to go to several different countries or do different homeless simulations go to inner city LA all these things and not saying that out of look at me but (laughs) saying out of I've been exposed to like all these stories and I know people by name who experience these so when someone talks crap about uh, Costa Rica or Honduras I say and they, they they're they're talking negatively about the country. Well, I, well, you're talking negatively about my friend, you know, sure. Juan, or you're talking negatively about my friend X, Y, Z. 
and I put a name to it. And so to me, I, I can, I'm able to feel empathy right. as opposed to just uh, the, the country or the, per, or the people group or the whatever as a whole. And so I, 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 I love what you said about the stories. And so I kind of wanted to know as a teacher with 30 something each period and however many students you have total, how do you go about learning their stories? Cause um, I can't imagine it's just every person you say, what's your story to, or, um, right. No, that would be creepy. I think <laughs> I was like, hi, I'm Mrs. Moore. What's your story? Um, it is, uh, it is something that I'm continually trying to perfect. Um, and I don't know that I ever will as an educator, but, um, I think, you know, if I really like sit down and, and think about like how I go about it, um, it really starts with the first couple of days of school. Um, and I make it a goal of mine to learn my students' names, all 140 to 180, depending on the class, you know, breakdown for that year, uh, to learn mm. every single name by the second day of school. Um, mm. And the reason I do that um, is because, you know, I have, I can't imagine being a student in a chair and, having discussions with the teacher and when the teacher goes to call on me, they can't identify who I am as a person, right? Once the name is out there, there's so much power in the name. Um, you know, so I could look at you and say, Peyton, tell me what you think. And because I have spoken into your identity rather than just student number 22 on my roster, yeah. uh, they're going to feel more comfortable um, and feel like, oh, okay. So my voice really does have a place. So I guess it starts there. Uh, from there, honestly, uh, it's just building into my lessons opportunities to engage, um, you know, ask questions like, how's it going? And what are you into? One of the ways that I learn names is I will be like, okay, hi, you know, call roster for the first day and be like, okay, Ashley, like, you know, what makes you tick? Right. And, and they look yeah. at me like I'm a crazy person. Like, I don't know what that means. You're an old person. And I'm like, <laughs> what is it you like? Or Jessica, tell me about something you're into, right? Um, and that's how I actually yeah. learn their names. So they'll say, oh, I play soccer and I like to draw anime. And so when I think of Jessica, I think of soccer, anime, right? Jessica, Jessica, soccer. There we go. Got it. You know what I mean? And so mm, yeah. that's like the first way, just kind of asking them kind of directly in, a, in an informal way. Um, and everybody gets that chance. So it's not just weird that, you know, one student singled out. And then throughout the year, it's just, like I said, being intentional about like informally planning those opportunities for like having conversations. Um, we learn, we learn about people through their stories, like you mentioned. And so, you know, a lot of teachers, I think feel like, oh, I need to fill every single minute if I, with something like educational and, you know, if I'm not, doing that or if an administrator walked in right now and saw me bent down next to this person's table just having a conversation while they're working on something like that that would be a problem and I feel like the complete opposite because I feel like um you know getting to know our kids then kind of allows me to model positive like social emotional inter interactions um which is a foundational part of growing growing up as a, as a human and as a person and then throughout the year, I do this cool thing. I think it's cool. I like it where I, it's called the 10 minute check-in. And like once every four to six weeks or so, I just pose up on the board, a quick question of, you know, today um, is Thursday, July 16th. What's something that you want to share with me today? 
Um, and they'll write down and they have to, they have to write continuously for 10 minutes. And I don't care what it's about. It can be about what they had for breakfast or, you know, it could be about something deeper. And then I collect those at the end of 10 minutes. I read everyone and I write responses back to them and give it back, which allows me to have like a one-on-one conversation with maybe not face-to-face, but still through, you know, some sort of interaction that kind of gives me more insight to their, to their reality. So I don't know. It's, it's something that there are times where maybe I do feel like I should probably invest more time into the English or the content in my speech class, speech class. But I feel like getting to know people is just as important. So. Yeah, that's so good. I, I vividly remember those, uh, 10 minute check-ins and they were very impactful for, for me as someone who had a lot of conversations already with you, let alone someone who, um, may have been, um, not as outspoken, I guess. As sure. I was. Introverted or shy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when, when, uh, I guess we've talked a lot about you as a teacher during the school year, but now that the coronavirus and quarantine and no school and being in the Vice Unified School District where not everyone has access to Wi-Fi and it's not just going straight to a online program, how has your role changed as a, as a teacher, but, and, and not only as a teacher with, as far as curriculum or education, but also in the ways we've been talking about with um, your relationship with your students. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, this has been, you know, I, I joke that like, so I've been doing this nine years. I just finished my ninth year as a teacher and um, there's definitive moments in my career that I would point to and say that was the hardest year of my teaching career. Um, Like for example, the first time I took on AP, you know, I got AP AVID, and got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis same semester. Um, and mm-hmm. that was, that was challenging. And I would have said that that was the most challenging time of my career, uh, until March hit. Um, and I, and we had to leave the classroom and go on social distancing. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't for me, it wasn't true teaching. Um, it was more crisis management because nobody expected mm-hmm. to, you know, shelter in place and have to deal with this, you know, unknown novel virus that's everybody's talking about. Right. And so the district wasn't prepared. Um, we as teachers weren't prepared. I mean, I'm very techie, so I have that aspect, but I, you know, it's one thing to teach in a classroom and it's another thing to translate that same lesson into a lesson that needs to be delivered digitally. And so, and we couldn't use zoom so I couldn't interact face-to-face with my students. Um, and so I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really hard. Like, you know, I, I live and die for my job, which, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, it is a large kind of part of who I am as a person and I'm a workaholic. And so, you know, building these relationships from August until March, um, you know, and then all of a sudden those relationships and those, those lines of communication are cut off and I can't see my students' faces. That was really, really challenging because I don't, you know, I, I knew some of their home life stories and, and that made me even sadder, but I also didn't know a lot of what home life was like for them, you know, for a lot of kids, schools and escape. And so um, it was really challenging to, 
to sit back as someone who cared about these kids and not be able to engage with them the way that I normally would have. In addition to that, you know, like we, uh, there were a lot of kids that were like just missing in action because grades didn't matter at this point, the grades were frozen. And so, you know, they felt, well, I have other things going on and, you know, they actually, they, they did like their years were ending and they were afraid. And, you know, there was this whole thing called coronavirus and everybody's freaking out and they, <laughs> they couldn't get to- yeah. toilet paper. And, you know, so um, it changed immensely and, you know, we got through it. Um, like I said, we, we would call in. Um, I use the remind text service like all the time to try to send encouraging quotes and let them know that I was thinking about them. I would send them videos of myself, um, you know, but there were there were a lot of tears. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I learned a little bit about, you know, uh, crisis management and education. And I learned that sometimes like when I think that I have everything figured out, I don't. And that's OK. Um, and that I could give myself a little bit of grace in those moments that I don't need to mm. be on top of it all the time. Um, yeah. You know, I try. I was trying to find myself being strong for, you know, all these my students who were dealing with all these things, you know, who knows what in their lives. I was trying to be strong for them. And there was a moment at one point where I was talking with a kid um, and they were like, you know, you don't have to have it together all the time. And it made me think wow. back. Yeah, it was a big moment because it made me think back to like the way that I leave my classroom, this idea of being vulnerable. Right. And I wasn't being vulnerable. I was I was trying to hold everybody up, you know, and um, I think that was appreciated. But I also think that kids benefited could have benefited from me just sitting and saying, you know, this is this is awful. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. I hate this, you know um yeah so uh, I tried to find a balance there and then the year ended and um you know graduation looked a lot different than normal I uh that was a whole different experience um you know first time I actually left the house um from March 13th until until graduation day this is the first time I left the house because I was like I, I can't not see my kids graduate you know um and yeah. that was scary but I wear my mask mm. and I social distanced. And so I don't know, it, it's been a different experience. And then the summer has been just an onslaught of uh, a whole another thing, you know, anxiety about schools reopening and trying to prep myself, but also trying to be a uh, kind of an avenue of support for my teachers on campus. I created like a training website and I've been sending out a ed tech news newsletter um, you know, and it's funny cause people will be like, it's really helpful. And I'm like, you have no idea. Like I, if I don't do these things, then I let my mind wander. Um, and that yeah. puts me in a weird spot. So, um, I don't know. It's been a journey for sure. A journey for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. What about things that you have been learning about yourself from like, as far as I know your life is teaching, but as far as have you had much time to yourself not not necessarily worrying about next school year or um yeah yeah have you had time yourself to and what have you been learning about your in this time yeah or yeah no for sure I mean yeah I have a hard time turning off um 
I'm kind of a workaholic. So, but I have been trying to de like decompress in certain ways, reading a lot. Um, the summer has been one that's been challenging though. Like I'm learning a lot about, you know, it's hard. You ask me, what am I learning about myself? But like a lot of what I'm learning about myself is tied to like who I am at my core and who I'm at, who I am at my core, unfortunately, and or fortunately, um, is, is an educator. Um, and I've had a, so we'll start there. Uh, you know, with all of the, um, race issues that have been going on, that has been, that has been illuminating to me about, you know, really trying to take the time to sit and think about what are the implicit and explicit biases that I might, you know, be have or, um, because I think a lot of the time, I think, I think most people would say that they feel like my classroom is inclusive, but I think that, um, I think that probably isn't reflected in my curriculum. Uh, maybe in the way that I treat people, but not necessarily maybe in my curriculum. And so I could do a better job at making my students feel, um, you know, all my students feel welcome within my classroom and like their voices are being heard and their experiences are being heard. Um, I've also learned that like, I'm kind of a black sheep in my family. I've always known that, but, but to kind of see it in action. And so trying to figure out ways to set boundaries and stand up when I feel like, you know, injustice is being, kind of um, spread in conversations and interactions. Um, I got a pool, a waiting pool. And so I've learned that I, I enjoy just sitting in the pool with my husband, having conversations. That's been really, really nice. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. If, if I had to label this summer, I wouldn't label it as a um, transformational one which is weird Mm -hmm. because I try to spend time kind of ever evolving and and being a better person. But I feel like this summer, um, you know, has included a lot of worry and uh, I'm not an anxious person normally, but it's included a lot of anxiety. Um, And I think that that is largely surrounded or included because I'm listening to, you know, all the external realities uh, of what, you know, my community is thinking about teachers, um, and I feel expendable, you know, I feel like I, if I don't go back into the classroom in August, like I'm making a choice to stay home. And, you know, that bothers me a lot, because I don't think any teacher would choose to stay home. I think it's a matter of health and safety. And so all, you know, you, you, your podcast is titled, I started listening, and I, and I, and I find myself far too often listening more to the external these days. Mm. Um, And I think that that has shown me that um, we have a long way to go. You know, earlier we were talking about, you were talking about your experiences uh, in other countries, right? Or your, the simulations you've done or the experiences you've done with outreach and how now you made it personal, right? Um, yeah. And almost in a sense, you've separated that idea of us versus them, right? They're no longer those people there or in that country, but I, we are, we are now one because we've built this bond. And I feel like as I listen to the external world and everything that's going on around us, I feel like that, I, that, that, that kind of stratification between the us's and the them's that is be that is far more commonplace than I like originally thought. 
you know, I feel like it's a lot easier for people to bond together on, on ideologies and beliefs. Um, and then unfortunately what that does is that continues to isolate and push people apart. And it's unfortunate because I, as I stop and listen to what's going on inside of me, I feel like, you know, the better solution is in a time that is unprecedented or one that is scary and, you know, causing a lot of people fear the us versus them shouldn't necessarily be our reality, but rather we should figure out a way to find the we um, and all come together under the banner of compassion and empathy. And I feel like that, that isn't the case right now. Um, you know, and so I don't know, it's been, it's been eye opening in a lot of ways. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have any answers. Like I want to, want to be here sit here with you and your podcast and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer but I want to say like oh this great thing but I don't I don't think I'm there yet um Mm -hmm. you know I I am worried about next school year I'm worried about my friends and my you know former students past students getting sick um I'm worried about like the experience that is if we do go back to school like what that's going to be like because it's not going to be like what people expect normal school to be like, you know, there's going to be a lot of isolation and, you know, you stay six feet away, I'll stay six feet away, like, which will change the way that I do school. Um, yeah. Uh, relationships are going to be a challenge. And so I'm kind of trying to work on ways that I can do that. Um, what I have learned though, when I start, when I step away from the anxieties and the worries of the world, what I have learned, the positives is I have learned that I have friends who love me and support me and, you know, are there at, you know, with a simple phone call or text, their texts away that they're willing to invest in my emotional well-being. I've learned that I love my husband a whole lot. That hasn't changed. Um, to be isolated and you know in the house 24 7 um because we don't we don't leave like at all I've only left for a few doctor's appointments but we still love each other and we get along and that is good right because I think some some relationships struggle with that um I've learned that it's okay to not have it all together that it's okay to Mm have days that are good and have days that are bad. And ultimately, like if I just give myself a little bit of grace and take those moments to take my like emotional temperature, um, that, you know, um, that life's going to still go on and everybody's going to be okay. And I, and I deserve to do that. So, um, so while it hasn't been big and transformational or something like super optimistic, I would say, um, you know, there are still those, those little moments of happiness that sprinkle themselves uh, throughout the day, like, you know, here and there. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And, and you had mentioned that you, you said you didn't want to come on the podcast and be a Debbie Downer, <laughs> but it's just what you're feeling. I think this podcast, I think you're, you've said it perfectly because this podcast isn't about having an awesome life or else I probably wouldn't be calling it. I started listening. I'd be calling it. I already listened. This is what I know. You know? Right. Right. And, and, and so 
all I try to do when when I'm telling my story is is say what I'm going through in the moment. And as as uh, people may have heard in some of the episodes, sometimes my life totally sucks, you know. And sometimes it's like really awesome. But and the thing you said about uh, emotional taking your emotional temperature that was so good. And <laughs> I think we like especially in COVID, we've been taking our temperature. Mm-hmm literally yeah. <laughs> and but and we're, we're hoping for the low temperature or not to have a fever but like you were saying when we take our emotional temperature I think necessarily it doesn't necessarily matter what our emotional temperature is as long as we're reading the the thermometer right like, like what you were saying is yeah this might not be and have, have been a transformation summer but you're recognizing where you are and and I think that's what we can get at as far as let's look at the thermometer. Let's see what our temperature is, even though we might not be where we want. But I think the first step is where are we at right now? And I think that's the purpose of this podcast is where am I am right now? I 100% don't have it all together. I may not be where I want to, I might not be where I want to be, but uh, I'm going to try to learn from where I'm at from my current temperature. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. And I think that when we do have the temperature, oftentimes we stop and figure out ways to minimize that. And, you know, some we would call that self-care. And I think in those moments where my emotional temperature is maybe higher than I want it to be, those are the moments where I step away and start to figure out ways to, um, you know, lower my anxiety, whether it be talking to friends or, or my husband or snuggling my cat or just checking out while watching TV, you know, like it's those moments that will make all the difference, you know, because if we just continue to let the temperature rise and rise and rise, and we just ignore those things, then eventually, you know, we're going to erupt. Um, and that's yeah. never good in any instance. So um, for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, before we end, I want you to give a piece of advice okay. to the listeners as a person as a teacher as a whatever you want well cool geez I mean this is like really heavy weight because like man yeah. all of your list no like pressure. your listeners nope. are expecting um <laughs> honestly um I try to live my life by some like very simple practices um and one of the first ones that I live by is this idea of just be kind um you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Empathy is really, really, really hard for me. Uh, it's not natural. I don't have the ability just to put myself in other people's shoes. Like somebody could be crying about something and I'm like, my mind immediately goes to like, cause I'm logical, like, okay, how are we going to fix it? Right. Versus just letting them yeah. feel. <laughs> uh, yeah. So kindness goes a long way in all moments. Uh, I think when we lead with kindness, uh, not only do we enhance the lives of the people that we touch, but I also think that we um, kind of enhance our own lives in those moments. So always lead with kindness. Um, The second piece of advice, I'll give you three. The second piece of advice I would give you guys as listeners um, is take a chance on relationships Always take the time to invest in others, um, but know like when that investment needs to be over and that's okay. I think Mm. that we learn a lot about uh, people. We've talked about it constantly across this this episode, that idea that like we learn about life and we learn about um, 
how to be like our identities through other people's stories and through our own stories and listening. Right. And so I think it's worth taking a chance on relationships. I think it's worth getting to know people, even if it's hard, even if it's tedious, even if there's risk involved, because those are the moments where we learn more about ourselves um, and the world around us. Uh, I think it helps build compassion and empathy. But I also think it's really, really, really important to understand when that relationship, if, if the time comes when that relationship, all relationships have to be long lasting. People come into our lives for specific moments uh, in time to teach us something or for us to teach them or vice versa. And I think it's okay to let go uh, just because if you hold on to something that's not good, then it will continue to uh, kind of bog you down and maybe like close your eyes to what lies in front of you. Mm. Um, and finally, the third piece of advice is uh, don't take yourself too seriously all the time. Uh, <laughs> I think that humor and laughter are the best medicine. Uh, and so, you know, give your, give your, give yourself the grace to be silly um, I'm literally, while I'm talking to you, Peyton, I'm staring at a train track that my husband and I have built in our living room. <laughs> nice. If you want to remind everybody, I don't have kids. I'm 30, I'm a 34 year old woman. My husband's 40 and we are playing with train tracks. It's okay to <laughs> allow awesome. for moments of silliness, to be honest, because if life is serious all the time, you're going to miss out on so many good things. Um, nice. There's no rule book. So give yourself some grace to laugh, to be funny and to be silly once in a while. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for letting me come on here and, and having these conversations, you know, through this conversation and listening to you, you know, ask me or reiterate to me what I'm saying or what you heard um, or when you were listening, like what you heard um, really truly actually brought some clarity to some things for me. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And I think that what you're doing is just kind of wonderful. So keep at it. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been so good to talk to you. And, uh, you know, there's definitely a reason that you're all just because of the impact that not only you've had in my life, but also I can see in the lives of so many of your students and even people that aren't your students. And so it's been, it was kind of a no brainer. And <laughs> but without you, I probably wouldn't have this podcast because of your speech class. And so... Yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on. It's been an honor. Hopefully, not hopefully, because everyone did. Everyone learned something from you, but hopefully everyone was inspired. Hopefully everyone was encouraged. And I hope everyone, if you don't have a mentor and a teacher like I did with Mrs. Moore and others, I just hope that you listen to this episode and you hear her, her love for her students and you take that and you share that with someone younger than you who you can mentor. I think it's so important that we all have mentors and mentees in our life. I take a lot of time to be available and, and, and give attention to and learn from both the people that I'm being mentored by and the people that I have grown to mentor. And so it's been super fun and we love you, Mrs. Moore, and we're so thankful that you were on this episode thank you absolutely and can i end with one last thing yes i'm going to ask everybody who listens to this podcast um 
to, if you know Peyton personally, to reach out to him and ask him about his uh, squatty potty pitch. Uh, it's, the best, <laughs> it's the best intro pitch I've uh, ever heard. Uh, I'm a firm believer in squatty potties, and I think that uh, he would have you sold uh, if you just gave him a chance. Oh, my gosh. Preach, Mrs. Moore. I Let's talk about squatty potties for a second. Okay, sure. You thought this episode was over, but it is not, people. <laughs> Bonus. This episode may be taking too long, but do you know what else is taking too long? Your time on the toilet. <laughs> uh, so what should we do about that, Peyton? Let me tell you. Thank you for asking. Well, did you know that you can cut the time you spend on the toilet in half? I bet you're wondering how so. Well, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. This is off memory, so hopefully it works. Yeah. 74% of Americans struggle with gastrointestinal issues, yet we spend billions of dollars on artificial, what was it? Artificial solutions <laughs> to solve a natural problem. All right. I'm not going to bore you guys. But I started. That was impressive. Yeah. Why don't you give them some of the taglines in the beginning? The I feel like that is like the best way to outro. Okay. This is the outro. Or, yeah, this was the intro that we're making the outro. And I'm just going to end it with this. Instead of ending with a joke, let's just end it with uh, mm, yes. with a bunch of... What do you even call this? Oh, my gosh. I just found it on my computer. Here we go. Puns? Puns, maybe? Puns, yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Here's the joke of the week. Here are a bunch of puns related to using the restroom. We've all been there, dropping the kids off at the pool, pinching a loaf, taking the Browns to the Super Bowl, unloading some timber, letting the turtles out, download some software, a meeting with John, unloose the caboose, sending a fax, <laughs> dropping the anchor, and drop some potatoes in that crock pot. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Word We're so mature. Wise words from Peyton Thomas. <laughs> sweet All well right. thank you Peyton I appreciate you I will uh, talk to you soon bye audience people bye